Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join all you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Was at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. Well, today we're going to talk about Pelosi's provocative, dangerous trip to Taiwan. And we have an expert for you, Gordon G. Chang, great man, and his interview will enlighten you. Believe me, you'll learn things that you don't know. Gordon will be with us momentarily here on the Michael Savage podcast. But first, I want to tell you this. Even the normally neutral or to the left of center press are saying things about Nancy's trip that are quite alarming. I will tell you that right now. I will read you the headlines, for example. Pelosi's Taiwan diplomacy generates a prediction and a warning, the Washington Times. Here are some of the headlines. Pelosi's trip to Taiwan is high risk, low reward, the Boston Globe. The damage from Pelosi's unwise trip to Taiwan must be contained, Washington Post. China furious after Pelosi lands in Taiwan, promises all necessary measures to defend itself, Fox News. Pelosi arrives in Taiwan defying Beijing Associated Press. Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan highlights America's incoherent strategy. The Economist, by the way, they're very left wing. Nancy Pelosi arrives in Taiwan as China ratchets up military activity, Financial Times. And uh, on and on. Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, even Politico. Everyone was alarmed except Nancy Pelosi and her minions at the San Francisco newspapers which is a wholly owned subsidiary or mimeograph machine for the Pelosi regime. I was shocked to see that even an op-ed in the San Francisco newspaper was entitled Nancy Pelosi's Taiwan trip is a dangerous, selfish legacy play. All of that and more, by the way. There were many articles about this, but if you go today to the Drudge Report, China conducts missile strikes in Taiwan Strait, smoke trails fill sky. Aircraft carrier group moved towards island. Western powers can no longer run amok, says China. Taipei faces urgent fighter pilot shortage. Oh, my God. Nancy aftershocks. Can you believe this? It's getting even worse than that. So if you think that this trip is over and forgotten and in your rearview mirror, I believe you are wrong. The fact of the matter is the reactions to Pelosi's provocation have just begun. And they're going to get a lot worse if they get better at all. So where does this go? Well, we pray for peace. We pray that Pelosi apologizes for this provocation in some kind of diplomatic statement, such as I did not mean to provoke China into a reaction. Uh, my intent was not to uh, provoke China. My intent was to support the people of Taiwan. She could make such a statement, but she isn't making such a statement. It seems as though 
She's a madwoman who enjoys this provocation. I know that the Chinese ballistic missiles that are landing inside Japanese-controlled waters are worrisome. We know that uh, China is conducting acts of aggression, not only towards Taiwan, uh, but towards Japan, as you will learn from the interview that's about to uh, be heard here on the Michael Savage podcast, uh, India and elsewhere in the world. China's on the move. Apparently, we have a senile administration that does not quite understand the dangers that we are in. Will this lead to World War III? I doubt it. Does it have anything to do with the semiconductor companies that are in Taiwan? Many of you think it's all to do with Pelosi's semiconductor scandal of just a week ago. I do know that TSMC, which is the largest semiconductor manufacturer in the world, that's Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company Limited, TSMC. Fact of the matter is they provided the chips for the company that Pelosi's family, Mr. Paul Pelosi, had to sell last week when that scandal blew up. Don't know the connections. Nobody knows the connections. They are too obtuse, too well hidden. But we do know that China views her Taiwan trip as an affront, as an insult, and a nose-thumbing of the one China policy. And you may say, well, okay, good. We like her for that. We think it's time to stand up to China. Well, join the Fox News generals like Sean Hannity who loved the war in Ukraine against Russia so he could sit on his fat behind in his mansions and tell you to send your sons to fight Russia and go fight China now. You should know that our one China policy was agreed to in 1979. And as part of that agreement, the United States recognized the People's Republic of China as the sole legal government of China, okay, and acknowledged China's position that Taiwan is part of China. I don't know if you know that. So... Right now, the current Chinese administration, the dictatorship, does not accept any insinuation that America will treat Taiwan as separate from the mainland or that America is encouraging any independence movement in Taiwan. In fact, you may not know this because you wouldn't have read this in your newspapers. Just after Pelosi landed in Taiwan, China's foreign ministry released a hostile statement to the People's Daily, which read in part, quote, Pelosi's trip has a severe impact on the political foundation of China-U.S. relations and seriously infringes upon China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. It gravely undermines peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait and sends a seriously wrong signal to the separatist forces for Taiwan independence. This is written by the Ministry of China, by the way, after Pelosi landed in Taiwan. And China went on and said, since Speaker Pelosi is the incumbent leader of the U.S. Congress, her visit to and activities in Taiwan, in whatever form and for whatever reason, is a major political provocation to upgrade U.S. official exchanges with Taiwan, close quote. So she did a lot of damage, not only to America with her trip. She's a lunatic. It's not to do with right or left. It's to do with a deranged egomaniac who is more dangerous than you could imagine. Even Politico, the left-wing outlet, says a trip to Taiwan would be a legacy play for the 82-year-old Pelosi. Could you believe this? Well, my friends, that's all I have to say at this time. We're soon going to hear from my guest, the great Gordon G. Chang, right here on the Michael Savage Podcast. Thanks for listening.
Michael Savage, a host like no other. Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Mr. Gordon Chang, who you've, you've probably seen on every cable network that has intelligence on it. He's the author of the great U.S.-China tech war and losing South Korea. These are booklets released by Encounter Books. He has many previous books. Mr. Chang lived and worked in China and Hong Kong for almost two decades. And he was most recently in Shanghai as counsel to the American law firm Paul Weiss. And earlier in Hong Kong as partner in the international law firm Baker McKenzie. What um, the Twitter handle is very important. Mr. Chang, what is your Twitter handle? It is Gordon G. Chang, G-O-R-D-O-N-G-C-H-A-N-G. Got it. Got it. Well, we're going to talk about this debacle from my point of view, and I don't know if you agree with me. Honestly, don't. Um, Empress Pelosi, I tweeted yesterday, Empress Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, which Beijing regards as a breakaway province, has plunged the China-U.S. relationship to new depths and triggered the worst crisis over the Taiwan Strait for decades. And I asked, do we need this now? Mr. Chang, your opinion. We certainly don't need this now. And for this crisis, we can uh, thank in large part somebody named Joseph R. Biden. <laughs> now, the Chinese were always going to throw a hissy fit over Speaker Pelosi's visit. Um, but remember, July 20, Biden went before reporters and said, well, he didn't. He had talked to the Pentagon and they didn't think it was a good idea that she was going to go. Now, immediately after that, China's threats, which were dire sounding beforehand, actually became even more grim and they increased the frequency of their warnings. And, and really what we have here is Biden telling the Chinese political system, look, there is disagreement inside Washington about the visit and you're free to try to intimidate us, which is exactly what happened. <laughs> so well, they're, they're launching um, missiles today all around the island of Taiwan, aren't they? The, the yes. Um, and uh, there's two places they've launched missiles. The one that is more sensitive is in the southwest part of the island. And the reason, Michael, is that the Chinese have um, declared six live fire exclusion zones, basically telling mariners, stay away because we're firing artillery, missiles, whatever. Mm. And that southwest area is an exclusion zone that impinges upon Taiwan's territorial water and airspace. This is extremely provocative and is going to lead to no good. So those southwestern missile firings, much more uh, significant than the other one, which is to the north of Taiwan. Pelosi's always been a um, agitator. She's always agitated people going all the way back to a speech she gave at UC Berkeley, a commencement exercise, I believe in 1997. I don't remember the year where she actually told the graduates, go out and be disruptors. I'll never forget it. I used to play it on my radio show. Go out and be a disruptor. That's what she told the graduates at UC Berkeley. She herself is a disruptor, but she's doing it not so much, in my opinion, Gordon, and I like your reaction to disrupt for disruption's sake, but to distract for distraction's sake. Do you think that's true or is the woman just irrational? Well, you know, I, I'm not insider head, Michael, so I don't know the motivation. Um, but I do know that for um, a long time, she's been a proponent of democracy and human rights in China. 
1991, she went to um, Taiwan, to uh, Beijing, and this is disruption. She, along with some other uh, legislators, unfurled a banner um, for the Tiananmen uh, dissidents. The the point here, though, is you know, I no, I agree that, with you. I had her on my show in the, in ninety eight when she came out against the uh, human rights abuses in China. She and I actually got along very well on that radio show because she was saying the right things about you know human uh, kidney transplant, all sorts of crazy stuff that was going on. Yeah, and and this is this has been a consistent theme. Now you know. For the timing of her trip, you know, there have been a lot of theories on it. Um, you know, you can go from the good ones to the dark ones. You know, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do know that the president of the United States um, aggravated this. And also, Michael, there is some credible reporting that it was Biden's administration that leaked the possibility of, of her trip to the Finnish Times. And that is really what started the controversy. You know, the speaker, I think, was going to actually have an unannounced trip to Taiwan. Ah. And what happened is somebody leaked it. Oh, now, the speculation is that it was someone in the Biden administration. And when you start looking at who had the incentive to leak it, it certainly wasn't Pelosi's staff. So she um, was going to go kind of unannounced and just show up there and, and not make a big deal out of it. Right. Um and, um, you know, I don't know when they had planned to announce it, um, but uh, we know that somebody leaked it to the Financial Times. Huh. And that's what started all of this. Now, um, this is we do know another thing, Michael, which corroborates that. And that is we have had heard these really mild statements from the Biden administration. You know, the Chinese threatened to kill her. To shoot down her plane. And what do we hear from the the Biden administration? Oh, you know, we support the thing. <laughs> and the other thing about this is that and last Thursday's phone call between Xi Jinping and President Biden, the Chinese immediate rele- immediately released a readout which said that Xi Jinping said anyone who talks about Taiwan, does anything about it, is playing with fire and will perish. In other words, uh, Xi Jinping, by their own admission, threaten the life of the president of the United States. And so what does Biden do? Well, Biden just continues on the phone call. I mean, if he were someone who was concerned about the United States, he would have hung up the phone and saying, look, these threats are unacceptable. But instead, we get a White House readout. And sorry, I'm ranting here. But no, no, Gordon, I, look, you says, know, you know, the mind of, of, of the Chinese better than anyone in the media. Let's start with that. And we all as, as people who are not in the mindset of China, say, well, OK, they're big into saving face. I don't know people. I don't know any people on Earth who aren't, by the way. You know, I, I, they say Chinese are at the saving face. I don't know any culture that isn't the saving. You know, that's almost a racist statement to say that Chinese are at the saving face. When you think about it, I don't think Americans are too far behind, if behind at all. But Biden apparently has no face to save. <laughs> but but but, uh, but the, my point is bigger than a laugh line here. Gordon, so. The, the chairman of the most powerful thermonuclear power on Earth next to the United States says <clears throat> you're going to go up in flames. We're going to knock you off. Well, doesn't he have to save face and do something now? Well, if he were concerned about our safety and security, yes, he would have done something about it. But instead, we get a readout from the White House saying we need to deepen communications with China. We need to find areas of cooperation 
And really, that was inappropriate after the threat against that was Biden. Biden's, and so that was Biden who said that. I mean, that was yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was Biden's readout. OK, um, of but what, his phone call. But I'm interested and in so, the other side, Gordon. What is Z going to do now that he's online saying you've crossed the line and we're going to react? Is he going to react? Well, he has reacted with the the. Um, the declaration of the exclusion zones and those exclusion zones, if you look at it, completely surround Taiwan. So obviously they're exercising um, in preparing themselves to declare an embargo. They might not do it this time, but at least they are getting themselves ready to do that um, when there is another crisis. And we haven't heard anything. We haven't heard boo from the administration about this. So this, again, is a case where the Biden administration is desperately trying to maintain friendly relations with a regime that is militant. Um, And that's really wrong. I mean, we've got to understand what the Chinese regime is doing and trying to cooperate with us is not on their agenda. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. There's been some very serious reports, Gordon, about an economic collapse in China. And I think you wrote a book not too long ago saying the coming collapse of China. Uh, China's economy is now in free fall. You wrote a recent article. Can you tell us what actually is happening with China's financial institutions? Right now, China's economy is contracting and one can look at COVID lockdowns and the rest of Ah. it. But really, there are more fundamental reasons, Michael. One of them is that Xi Jinping has re-embraced Maoism, state-dominated oh, he economy, he's, and, he's, and that's not good. He's full Mao. He's full Mao. Um, he can't, uh, at this moment, go back to the early the system of the early 1950s, but he's trying to do that. God. He's pushing China back there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So let me see. I, I need to back up on this. We know Mao was a monster who, who resulted in the death of, what, 60 million Chinese died under Mao's? insanity the estimates are between 20 and 70 million um for the great leap forward uh, alone that was the end of the 1950s early 1960s you got the deaths during the cultural revolution huh. during the anti-rightist campaign um when you put up all the numbers together the toll ma- makes mao probably the biggest mass murderer in history wow god that's a topic for another time because people don't even have a the ability to grasp what happened under under a devout communism, which, of course, is emerging here, as you and I both know, with the anti free speech movement on campuses and the wokeism of the corporations. We're not too far behind and that worries all of us, but it's a topic for another time. So, again, I have to go back in 1998. I interviewed Nancy Pelosi. She came on the radio show, even though we were opposites politically. She came on a radio show when I was a local host on KSFO and we got along great. And I reran the interview, you know, on the last week. And people said, God, you su- you were so nice to her. You supported her. I said, duh, that was 1998. Were you even born? I'm, I'm saying to people on Twitter, like, why, why are you calling us such nice names? I said, I'm playing an interview from 1998. Most of you weren't even born. Of course, you reach across the aisle when someone you disagree with on so many things you suddenly agree with. I also interviewed Schumer at the time to- around that time because politics does make strange bedfellows. So. We now see Pelosi acting almost as a rogue American politician. We could say she should have called it off once it was leaked, Gordon, but she wouldn't do that. We know her ego is superior to virtually any of her other characteristics. 
In plain English, Gordon, does this have anything to do with the chip companies in Taiwan are going there? Do you think this this crisis that we now have her going there has anything to do with the Pelosi chip scandal of just a week before? You know, it could. As I mentioned, I don't know what's in her head. But this crisis was going to happen, chips or no chips, ah. for a number of reasons. First of all, um, China right now, um, because of those economic problems we started to talk about, um, the Communist Party is always deeply insecure, but now even more so because it's being blamed for um, all sorts of internal problems, and it can't really blame anybody else. So China right now has troops deep into Indian-controlled territory, um, and they're trying to grab even more, and they're poised to do that. Where, where, are, where did you say which territory? In, in Ladakh which is high in the Himalayas. Um, the Chinese troops are below what's called the line of actual control, which is the de facto border between India and China. Oh. And China, since May of 2020, has um, engaged in these incursions below the line of actual control. So, the, wait, wait, Chinese so, troops just so I follow you. So China is already engaged in a low-grade confrontation with India. Yes, and... Um, it, on the night of June 15th, 2020, it wasn't so low grade because somewhere around 50 people died ah. um, in a Chinese surprise attack on Indian forces. Huh. Um, so you, you've got that. But also at this moment, um, China is trying to take away Second Thomas Shoal from the Philippines and the South China Sea. Their tactics were so belligerent that twice, November of last year, and last month, the State Department actually had to threaten the use of force against China to get them to back off. On Friday, there were four Chinese warships loitering in Japanese territorial water in the East China Sea oh. around disputed islands that the Japanese called the Senkakus. And also, you know, last couple months, we have seen um, even more dangerous tactics of the Chinese intercepts of aircraft in the global commons. May 26, they almost brought down an Australian P-8 reconnaissance craft. Mm. Um, you know, this is crazy dangerous stuff. So then you have Taiwan. And we, of course, focus on Taiwan. But we should remember that China is pressuring many of its neighbors to its south and to its east. And it's looking for a fight. It's looking for a fight. Is that because of internal uh, weaknesses of the ruling class that wants to unify the people behind them in a kind of confrontation with outside forces? I think so. I mean, um, we know a couple things. Um, we know that uh, the Communist Party right now can't deal with the internal debt crisis and with some other things they have on their hands. They know they're being blamed for them. They know the Chinese people are not happy. And at the same time, we see much more aggressive Chinese tactics abroad. So these are occurring simultaneously. We should assume that they're linked because in general, Communist Party foreign policy, you know, you have a lot of smart people in Washington say, oh, you know, the number one goal of uh, Chinese foreign policy is to take Taiwan. Well, no, it's not, Michael. The number mm. one goal of Chinese foreign policy, so much more important and is the maintenance of Communist Party rule. Mm. And yes, they'd like Taiwan and yes, they want to do this or do that. But it doesn't really matter because the most important thing is they want to stay in power. Right. And if they think that uh, lashing out is going to help them stay in power, they'll do it. 
The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. How does China view the war in Ukraine and their new relationship with Russia? We drove Russia and China together. And as a result, China bought, I think, grain from Russia. The ruble, instead of collapsing, uh, as the geniuses in the Biden administration thought would happen. Instead, the ruble is stronger than it was before the Ukraine war. How does China view the war in Ukraine? That's a really important question. Um, and I think that they view it as another failure of Biden mm. foreign policy. Mm. Remember, this was not long after the catastrophic withdrawal from Ukraine, from Afghanistan. Right. And, you know, a lot of people who are very smart say, well, you know, the heroic resistance of the Ukrainian people to the Russian army has shown Beijing that people in Taiwan will resist them. And it's now given Beijing second thoughts about invading Taiwan. And that's entirely plausible. But there's something that's far more important, Michael. And that is that uh, the Chinese saw that the United States, the 27 nations of the European Union and Great Britain, which is the coalition that was arrayed against Russia, we're so much more powerful than Russia. So, for instance, in last year, those 29 countries, they had an economy 25.1 times larger than Russia's. Mm. And yet we failed to stop Vladimir Putin. Mm -hmm. I think the Chinese look at this and they say there has been a failure of Western diplomacy, mm. especially American diplomacy. And I think the Chinese believe, look, you guys failed in Ukraine. You're going to fail over Taiwan. Mm. This gives us a free hand. The other thing is, and you pointed this out with some important comments you just made about the ruble. Um, they, they look at a Western sanctions and they say, OK, well, they did have some effect. But apparently the West is in not in a position to really sanction Russia to put it down. The Western countries could do that if they wanted to. They have failed. If they fail in their sanctions against Russia, they're going to fail in sanctions against China. So mm. that's another message that has wow. reinforced this notion that China can do whatever it wants. And that is one of the reasons that makes this moment in history so dangerous. The continual failure of the Biden administration to maintain peace and security. Say what you want about Trump, but Trump for four years kept the peace. Did, did you work? Were you an advisor to the Trump administration at any time? No, um, I did speak to the president along with my wife in 2020 um, at his invitation. And wow. we talked about a number of issues, um, but I'm not an advisor. And, you know, I'm not a Republican. Um, I'm an independent um, but I was very honored to be able to speak to the president about issues um, that he wanted to discuss. You know, I live in the Bay Area. I think you live San Francisco area as well. Correct. Are you, are you at the Hoover Institution? Um, no. Oh, OK. <laughs> there are two Gordon Changs in the world. Neither am I. I'm not at the I'm not at the Hoover Institution either. But I think you're in the Bay Area and I'm, ra I'm raising a, um, a point to do with the press. You're in the Bay Area. Okay. Yes, um, there is Gordon H. Chang, oh. who is a professor at Stanford, ah. who is not connected with Hoover. I'm Gordon G. Chang. I live in Bedminster, New Jersey, <laughs> I'm sorry. an hour southwest of New York. And I am privileged to be a part of the Hoover um, military working group, which is sort of a loose um, group organized by Victor Davis Hanson. Oh, yes. And I'm uh, 
but I, I'm not affiliated with Hoover. Well, the reason I raise where you live um, is because even the San Francisco newspaper had an editorial the other day, which shocked me, where they said Nancy Pelosi's Taiwan trip is a dangerous, selfish legacy play. And I agree with them 100 percent. It's about a selfish legacy play for Nancy Pelosi. She's an egomaniac, as all as all major politicians, I guess, are. And she did it just simply to grandstand unless there's something I'm missing here. Well, you know, intentions, you know, you have to ask um, the speaker. But, um, you know, once Biden made this a crisis because he had a large hand in doing that, then um, it became a point where if she didn't go, I think uh, people around the world would have seen the failure of American will. Okay, And and. Remember, she's also going to other countries in the region. She went to Singapore, um, Malaysia. She's in South Korea. She will be going to Japan. These are, are really crucial um, American friends and, and allies. Two, two of them are allies and, and the other two are friends. Isn't this the job of a State Department rather than a speaker? You know, Michael, that's a great point. Um, and um, Blinken has not devoted the attention that he needed to um, get our allies on board. Now, Blinken, to his credit, is in Cambodia at this moment talking at a regional grouping. But if you talk to our friends in the region, they will privately tell you they are very concerned about the Biden administration. And that includes Blinken, because, you know, the number of times Blinken gave that that big China speech and everyone said, huh? I mean, is he for us or against us? Mm. Um, so yeah, Blinken is a bit of a was, Blinken, Anthony Blinken, just for people listening to the podcast, Mr. Chang um, is an Obama man, right? basically from the Obama administration, if I'm correct, I believe so. It's like a rehash of, of the Obama years. They're rather supine, almost the entire Obamaites when it comes to the international tyrannies, but completely. Uh, dictatorial when it comes to domestic enemies. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, that's an important point that you make. If you go back to the Obama years, uh, Obama actually did a number of things um, which made the Chinese more aggressive. And I'll just give you one example. And that is early 2012, both Chinese and Philippine craft uh, swarmed around Scarborough Shoal, which is very close to the Philippines, 124 nautical miles to the main Philippine island of Luzon and very far from China. And the United States brokered an agreement between Manila and Beijing for both sides to withdraw their craft. Only the Filipinos complied, left Beijing in control of Scarborough Shoal. And the Obama administration, which actually put this deal together, decided not to enforce it because they didn't want to confront China. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, what happened is China then said, oh, we've got a free ride now. And they then started within months to reclaim those islands in the Spratleys in the South China Sea. They went after Second Thomas Shoal with renewed vigor, and they ramped up pressure on the Senkakus in the East China Sea. And so the Chinese just went out and made the problem bigger. Now, Trump came in, the Chinese were afraid of him, and so they left us alone for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and now you get back to the Obama people who are back in, and Beijing says, oh boy, this is Scarborough Shoal all over again. We can do what we want. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, we have nothing to fear. I mean, we have a commander-in-chief in, in tip-top mental shape, 
and we have a house speaker as clean as the streets of San Francisco representing us uh, with China. What could go wrong from here on in? <laughs> what could go wrong? Well, I, the answer is World War Three, but let's put that aside for the moment. The point is, we have a president who, apart from all the problems you mentioned, including those like Hunter, um, put that aside for a moment. Uh, we have a president who has a deeply outdated view of China, which hasn't been um, acting a, the way that he said it would, yet he maintains um, that old attitude. And the Chinese are looking at this and saying, which I, this is better than the <laughs> this is better than anything they could hope. So for. what is Biden? Um, so what is Biden's we, view of China? What is it? Oh, uh, Biden has been very clear. He says China is a competitor. The Chinese, however, say that the United States is an enemy. Ah. May 2019, People's Daily, which is the most authoritative mm -hmm. publication in China. When People's Daily speak, it's China speaking. Got it. People's Daily that month ran an editorial declaring a quote unquote people's war on the United States. So they consider us an enemy. Biden won't even call these guys an adversary. The most he'll say, oh, we're a competitor. But we're not competing with China in the international system that has been in place since the Second World War. What they're doing in China is trying to take that system down. And really what we're talking about is uh, a group in China that wants to basically rule the world. And Biden doesn't see it. Rule the world. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. My knowledge of China is very limited, and I'll admit it to, to anyone. You know, not, not everyone knows everything. And although we speak about things, many of us know nothing or very little about it. So my, my knowledge of China is very limited. So it's limited to when I was 18 years old, I read Lin Yutang, probably unknown to you the importance of living where he refers to ancient Chinese poets from the 11th century who delighted me to death and wrote about the Chinese mindset, which I love. And it saved me from a mental breakdown when I was 18, when I was trying to be too strict with myself. He wrote about an imaginary China that was lyrical and beautiful from ancient times. And then most recently, Mr. Chang, these books influenced me greatly. Nian Chang, Life and Death in Shanghai. I think it's a very important book. You probably know these books. Very important book. And then Wild Very Swans important. by Yung Shang. These are phenomenally frightening books. Yes. About what happened to people who were members even of the Communist Party. In the case of Yung Shang, whose father was a Marxist who fought alongside Mao and what happened to her family as time moved on. And he became increasingly like Hitler and like Stalin, killing his enemies around him, distrusting everyone. But more importantly, and bringing it back to, to your time here, which is very limited, when I read Life and Death in Shanghai by uh, Nian Shang, I underline something here about the what they did to capitalists during the revolution. And they viewed with the they view they vied with the Maoist Red Guards and revolutionaries to gain control in Shanghai to succeed. Each group had to be more red, more revolutionary, more cruel and more left in their slogans and action. It sounds very much like America today uh, between Black Lives Matter, Antifa and some of the other left wing groups becoming even more red by the day. Would you comment on that, please? I agree. Um, there is a woman in Virginia, C. Van Fleet, um, a survivor of the Cultural Revolution, who says exactly that. She says what she hears from the left in America reminds her of the Red Guard 
during the Cultural Revolution. Mm. So our republic is at risk. We could lose our freedoms. We could lose our country. Um, China is trying to uh, undermine us and take down our society. And we need to go back and do, as you say, read from the survivors of the Cultural Revolution. Easier said than done in a society where one's abs are more important than one's brain. I mean, everywhere you open these websites and all you see are people showing their abs and their delts and their glutes. It's as though we're barnyard animals. I don't think you can educate people as to what the Cultural Revolution actually meant and what it has to do with America today. They would laugh at you if they were not educated. So where do we go from here? Can this country, and I mean this very sincerely, in the, in the waning minutes of our conversation today, Mr. Chang, I don't think the Republicans are the silver bullet or the magic bullet to save this country, particularly with the leadership of Mitch McConnell. What can save us from a complete meltdown along the lines of a communist China under the early uh, Red Guard? We have to understand that China is using every point of contact to destroy our society. And our FBI is overwhelmed. Local law enforcement is overwhelmed. Local institutions universities, NGOs, which means until we get a handle on this situation, Michael, we need to cut those contacts with the Chinese regime. Wait, China has influence within the FBI or within the universities and corporations? Um, Certainly within universities and corporations. Um, And the FBI at this point just uh, can't keep up with this. Um, You know, We know that the Chinese have been uh, taking actions to deliberately kill Americans. That's with fentanyl. These fentanyl gangs are large. Um, They're well organized. They're based in China. They use the Chinese banking system to launder profits. And the Communist Party in a near total surveillance state knows what's going on. They want these deaths in America to occur. Mm -hmm. Um, And that means we're dealing with a much more malicious regime than we think. Mm. We know that China is trying to influence our politics, was very successful in the 2020 elections. And what we have to do is we Americans need to cut those contacts with China until we can handle this. And we are far from that, Michael, because we can lose our country. We can lose our country coming from you. That's chilling. I mean, I hope we don't see a book in the near future, life and death of America or the rise and fall of the United States of America. But what I just heard from you is a little alarming, more than a little alarming. You think it's that precarious? I'll give you an example. In 2020, um, the Chinese military uh, took one of their intelligence units, based it in the now closed Chinese Houston consulate. Mm. And from there, they use big data and artificial intelligence to identify Americans likely to participate in Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests. Mm. And then they created and sent them via TikTok videos on how to riot. Mm. Um, That is more than just subversion. That's an act of war. Mm. Um, Now we have a president, you know, President Trump tried to ban TikTok from the U.S. for many good reasons. Mm. Reverse effort. Um, he's allowing Chinese propaganda to um, go through the United States. This is wrong. One other example: um, there is the China Daily European bureau chief on Twitter. In I think it was October 2020, 
actually urged Americans to go out in the streets and to commit acts of violence. Oh, my God. Fomenting violence is an act of war. And uh, we now don't understand um, the determined, relentless, malicious efforts of the Chinese regime to destroy America. Well, Gordon, last question. BLM was founded by two avowed Marxists. Do you think BLM is supported in any way by the communist Chinese regime? I think it is, but I don't have the proof. Um, Michael Gonzalez of um, the Heritage Foundation actually wrote a book on this. Hmm. There is um, a few hints. I believe that if we had an FBI determined to get to the bottom of it, we would see Chinese influence in that organization as well as other ones that are trying to, um, you know, create chaos in the uh, American streets. So we don't know whether the West will continue to dominate the world or, in fact, this is the fracture line that's opening up a new world order where China will dominate the world. I mean, I suspect you fear the worst. I fear the worst. We're a much stronger society than China. But the one thing uh, China has are leaders with political will. And we have a political system and a leader who has been compromised. Mm. Um, so I worry that uh, we can't defend ourselves. That means in November 8th of this year, plus 2024, we need to go out and elect um, people who will defend our country. Mm. Because right now, we don't have a political class that has the mindset that uh, what's going on doesn't have the understanding, mm. and it doesn't have the mindset to defend ourselves. Mm. We need elected representatives to understand and to defend. Mm. Gordon, how do people reach you? Is it best through Twitter or is there another direct way? Well, um, through Twitter at Gordon G. Chang um, on my website, I have uh, archived my articles for free um, and I hope, um, you know, people just get in touch. Um, and, and there's a contact information on my website. What is your website, Gordon? www.gordon.com chang.com www.gordonchang.com and my twitter handle is at g-o-r-d-o-n-g c-h-a-n-g we better, at Gordon we, we better remember that g you you had me confused i mean i've seen you on you're on newsmax correct yes okay. I, I have the privilege I'm of being sure, on I'm newsmax sure i've seen you on newsmax <laughs> yeah well they don't use middle initials there michael so Everybody makes this mistake. Why don't they use your initial? Tell them to change your your sub your subtitle out there. I had to, I had to tell Newsmax over and over again. Would you please run the right name for my podcast? Well, uh, most news organizations do not use middle initials. Oh. It's just it's just the way they are. Too so, much work, you know. You know, he gets my mail, I gets his mail. Oh my and, god! Um, you're not related. You're not related. I don't think so. And we have very different views of China. Oh. So, um, you know, when, when um, you know, pro Beijing news sites interview him, they say, this, this is not that Gordon <laughs> Chang. This is the Gordon Chang with good views. And they're not referring to me. So, so we'll say you you're know. the good you're the good Gordon Chang because you're Gordon G. Chang, the good right. Gordon Chang. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to uh, watching your work on television and reading your articles. I appreciate it very much. Gordon G. Chang, thanks for being with us on the Michael Savage podcast.
Well, it's been an honor talking to you, Michael, and it's been a thrill. Whatever your middle initial is. <laughs> it's A, but we won't go into that one. <laughs> Thanks, Gordon. Have a wonderful time the rest of the day. Appreciate it. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Let's discuss with Michael Savage, host of the Michael Savage podcast and author, Our Fight for America, The War Continues. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Katrina, I thank you. Uh, she's my congresswoman. I'm really happy here. But we have nothing to fear, Katrina. We have a commander in chief in tip top shape. We have a House speaker as clean as the streets of San Francisco. And we absolutely <laughs> need this confrontation right now. We're doing so well in our proxy war against Russia. Why not have another proxy war now against China? Just think how much money can be made by the greedy politicians who are deep in the pocket of the weapons manufacturers. Never forget that that's what this is all about. The military industrial complex, they love war. Moreover, this is a distraction for Nancy Pelosi and Paul Pelosi, as we all know. The uh, big scandal that just came and went uh, due to uh, the help from their, their friends in the media, the chip maker uh, stuff, the chip stock, NVIDIA. We know that the top semiconductor companies in Taiwan, there are 10 of them. The number one is TSMC, which happens to make the chips for NVIDIA. What's in this for the Pelosi's? We don't know yet. In other words, sure, they bailed out of the NVIDIA stock, but have they bailed into TSMC? We don't know because they're going to. The Taiwan chip manufacturers are not going anywhere. Right. The question is, are people going to sell them short out of fear there'll be a confrontation with China? So maybe Paul selling some of these stocks short. Right. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in the stock market. But you can be sure of one thing. If there's money out there, they like sharks can smell it like the sharks smell blood. So there's got to be some economic advantage for the Pelosi's for her to even go there because there's no political advantage yeah. other than trying to other than trying to muddy the waters about the scandal surrounding her. Yeah, and I, that's you know, all. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's all. No, no, no. Say. It's good. No, I just I just want to interrupt you here because you, you mentioned Paul Pelosi uh, and, and uh, Nancy Pelosi was recently asked about those insider trading allegations. And I want everyone <laughs> to hear how she responded. Over the course of your career, has your husband ever made a stock purchase or sale based on information you received from you? No. Absolutely not. Okay. Me? I find I find it's not just the walking away, but the okay, Mike gone. Your reaction. The mouth. Did you see the mouth? The, the no. face. I was looking at the face. Yes. Did you see the mouth? No, me. Yeah. No. Me corrupt? No. I'm as clean as the streets of San Francisco. Look at a great job <laughs> I've done here in my city. You can't go out to a restaurant without fearing. Well, I, I've got to stop right here. I love this city. At least I used to. And what she has allowed to happen with. The other, uh, uh, I don't know how to how to put the words, Diane Feinstein, remember her? Mm -hmm. She's dropped out of the news after the big scandal of the Chinese spy driver a few years ago. Does Feinstein even know she's alive? She has the same cognitive abilities as Biden. Can you imagine these two are in charge? One uh, in the Senate, one in the presidency. This one doesn't know anything. That one doesn't know this. We need this confrontation right now, Katrina, like we need a hole in the head. The fact of the matter is Biden now tested positive for COVID again. Mm -hmm. Gee, I thought the vaccination worked just hunky dory. Well, and I thought yeah. the boosters guaranteed that they would work hunky dory. 
What's happening? Well, the fact is we're in trouble in this country right now because we have a commander in chief who is clearly not fit for office. Sure. And with I, I just I, if anyone has missed wait, Biden test, po- tested positive again. He 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 did. Uh, very oftentimes there's a rebound effect uh, for Paxlovid. The same thing happened to uh, to Fauci. So it is something that, you know, we're, we're monitoring. But again, it is it is not something to fear. And, and he's not having symptoms. So just want to just want to clarify that. Uh, but well, I do want to move. It's another <laughs> topic this it thing is about using topic. antiviral no it's another topic for another time and you, yes. you guys should cover it whether antivirals should be used after covid there's a whole school of medicine that says no you should build up your mm-hmm. own immune system not use a foreign drug like this that they gave him there are great doctors out there and i don't even want to get into it i know that this is not a topic for us but i'm not so sure <laughs> it's not on our antiviral yeah i don't I mean, think again, you use of- an antiviral after covid there mm-hmm. are many other things that can be done to stimulate your own immune system to build up your own immunity yeah, lots After. of lots of studies still being do, uh, done on that one. But I, I do want to continue yes. on our our countdown here. Uh, you know, Congress was supposed to tackle some of the China threat with this new chips bill. You mentioned that. But Schumer ended up taking out most of the anti-China provision at the last minute. So what's going on with that? Is that a bait and switch? Well, Schumer, bait and switch. You must be kidding. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi not telling the truth. They're in the same party. They live on lies. Everything they say is a lie. For four years, they lied about Donald Trump. Everything they said he was doing, he was not doing, but they were doing. Everything they said about Trump, he was not doing, but Biden was doing it. So, of course, Schumer lies. Every time he breathes, he figures out how to do another lie. The man is, let me stop right here because it's a family show. Schumer (laughs) is as dirty as they come. Why would the senator, the the head guy in the Senate, strip an anti-China provision from a new bill? Why would he do that? Because they own him the same way they own not only the Democrat, a good part of the Democrat Party, Katrina. Look at what's going on with the Republicans. Many of them are cheering Pelosi's trip to China right now. They're Mm -hmm. saying that's great. You see the warmongers out there? Oh, yes, let's confront China right now. That's just what we need. We're not caught in a quagmire in Ukraine with Russia. Now let's get into another quagmire with China. These people are, they're crazy. It's not a matter of whether we back Ukraine or not. Nobody wants to see what's happening to Ukraine happening. Everyone's on the side of Ukraine. But do we now have to engage in a second front? Now with the second most powerful country on earth? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. And by the way, Katrina, we've driven Russia into China's hands. China's buying their oil. China's supporting the ruble. The ruble is stronger than ever. What do we need this for right now? This right. is not diplomatic sense. Mm-hmm. This is diplomatic insanity. All right. Michael Savage, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for your insights. Always happy to have you. Thank you so much, Katrina. Thank I appreciate you. it. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.